Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. In your Bibles to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It's good to have Rebecca back with us today. She has recovered from COVID, is doing well, and we're so happy for that. Also, as you turn there, I want to let you know that uh, we exist at Selmore to pray, give, go, and disciple for the glory of God and for the spread of the gospel. And one way that we do that is through missions partnerships. As many of you know, we currently have a partnership right now with a church plant in Omaha, Nebraska, Camino a la Cruz. And some of you may have seen on uh, Facebook this week that um, Camino a la Cruz put out their most recent newsletter, and they're doing very well. Uh, Pastor Angel said that their attendance is beginning to get back to what it was um, before the pandemic started, and they're reaching people in their community, and they specifically thanked our church um, for helping them buy their turkeys and their hams for the Thanksgiving meal that they had as an outreach in their community. And so I would just encourage you to continue to pray for them, and we're going to be looking to send some people up there on a mission trip this summer, Lord willing. So some of you may want to be praying about that as well. Well, the story's told of a man who was caught at home in a flood. And the floodwaters rose, and he climbed up on his roof to escape them. Nevertheless, this was a man of faith, and he believed that God would save him. About that time, some neighbors came paddling by in a john boat. They said, hop in, we'll take you to safety. And the man said, no, God will save me. A short time later, some first responders came by in a motorboat. The water's getting higher. And they said, get in before it's too late. And the man said, no, God's going to save me. Finally, the water keeps coming higher and higher. It's up to his roof, and the National Guard flies over in a helicopter. And they drop down a ladder, and they say, climb up. The water's getting too high. And the man said, no, no, God will save me. And a few minutes later, the man drowned. And when he got to heaven, he said, Lord, why did you not save me? And the Lord said, I sent you a John boat, a motorboat, and a helicopter. Now, that's a funny little story. Perhaps you've heard it before. But it speaks to the foolishness of neglecting the salvation that God provides. Now, when it comes to the salvation of our eternal souls, that's no laughing matter, is it? And when it comes to our eternal destination, we know that God does not provide multiple means of salvation, as he did in this story, but only one. We can only be saved from our sin one way, and that is by trusting in Jesus Christ. Today's passage speaks to the fact that we must not neglect the great salvation that is available to us through Jesus. To do so would be to make a grave and irreversible mistake. Because once we've taken our last breath in this world, it's too late. If we leave this life without Jesus, we will spend eternity apart from God in a horrible place called hell. But it doesn't have to be that way. God loved us so much that he made a way for us to have eternal life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In this morning's passage, the author of Hebrews is appealing to us. He is pleading with us not to neglect the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. My hope and prayer is that if you're here today and you've never genuinely committed your life to the Lord Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes and show you how vitally important it is, indeed how necessary it is, that you put your faith in Christ. 
So let's get started by looking at verse 1. We'll read that verse and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Here's what the author says. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. All right, anytime we see the word therefore, as we do in verse 1, what do we do? We look before, right? The word therefore signifies that the author is building upon a point that he has already made. In other words, there's a train of thought that's taking place in the passage. In this case, therefore refers back to the passage that we looked at last week. And what was the main point of that passage? I know you all slept a little since then, one or two times. But verses 5 through 14 in chapter 1, the main point of that passage was that Jesus is better, he is greater than the angels. So now to build on that point, the author is saying that because Jesus is better than even the angels of heaven, it follows that we should give very careful consideration to the things that we have heard. In other words, the things that we have been taught about him. The New King James says we must give the more earnest heed to these things. Other translations say something like we must pay the most careful attention to these things. Well, what things is it talking about? Included in these things would be the virgin birth of Jesus, his sinless life, his substitutionary death on the cross, his glorious resurrection, and his soon return. Also included would be the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that anyone who calls upon his name will be saved. These are the foundational truths to which we must give the more earnest heed. These are the truths that we must lean into and never take for granted and never forget and constantly remind ourselves of and speak to one another and sing to one another. God forbid we ever get to the point as a Christian where the plan of salvation becomes elementary. If you ever think that you've moved beyond that, beyond God's plan of salvation, then watch out because you're on very dangerous ground. God's grace should never cease to amaze us. We must constantly preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to ourselves and to one another. And what is the danger of not doing this? What's the danger of losing these foundational truths? It's spelled out there at the end of verse 1. It says we must do this lest we drift away. Did you know that there is a tendency in all of us to drift away from Jesus? None of us naturally drift toward Jesus. That's not our nature. It's not our sin nature as humans. And we feel this tendency to drift away from him, don't we? We feel this tendency in ourselves As the hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God that I love. When we don't intentionally discipline ourselves to be in the word, to spend time in prayer, to worship with the gathered church, all those things that Sarah talked about in her lesson this morning, when we don't do those things, we drift away from him, don't we? Now, that doesn't mean we lose our salvation, but it does mean that we can fall out of fellowship with the Lord and that we become vulnerable to sin, and vulnerable to discouragement, and vulnerable to doubt. This is why it's so important that we never stop earnestly pursuing Jesus, that we devote ourselves to prayer, 
and to the word and to the church. When we do that, it gives our life an anchor and it prevents us from drifting out to sea where we tend to make a shipwreck out of our life. All right, as our passage goes on, the author of Hebrews continues to drive home the point that we must pay careful attention to the things taught to us about Jesus, both by the apostles and by Jesus himself. And in order to do this, he returns to this now familiar comparison to us of contrasting Jesus with the angels. So let's pick up reading in verses 2 and 3. You'll see what I mean. Here's what it says. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Now, basically, here's what the author of Hebrews is saying in these verses. Here's what he's saying. If we heed the words of angels, how much more should we heed the words of Jesus, who is greater than them? Now, if you're like me, you read that and you're like, well, when did we hear the words of angels? What's that even talking about? What does the author mean by that phrase in verse 2? The words spoken through angels. Well, most likely, this is a reference to the Old Testament law. There are little hints in Scripture here and there that the angels actually assisted God when he gave the law to the nation of Israel, way back in the Old Testament. For instance, in Acts 7, it says the law was delivered by angels. In Galatians 3, it says that the law was put in place through angels. What do these verses mean? What role exactly did the angels play in that? Well, we don't know for sure, but apparently the angels were there to assist God in some form or fashion when he delivered the law to his people. The author of Hebrews goes on to point out in verse 2 that the angels' word, the law, was good, stating that it proved steadfast And that when someone transgressed or was disobedient to the law, they received their just reward. We might say they received their just consequence. As Jews, the law was very important to this group of Hebrew Christians to whom the author is writing. Their entire faith and culture as a people, particularly up to this point, had been entirely built upon the Old Testament law. They trusted it completely. They followed it impeccably. They knew it frontward and backward. And the author uses that fact to make the point that if they followed the law so closely that was given through angels, how much more should they follow the teachings of Jesus, who is even greater than the angels? And by the way, that doesn't mean that the Old Testament law is bad or that it no longer serves a purpose. It certainly does. There's no way that we could even understand God's plan of salvation without the law. There's no way we could understand how desperately we need a Savior without the law. But the author is saying, as good as the law is delivered by angels, that the gospel, as delivered by Jesus Christ, is even greater. If we have embraced the Old Testament law, how much more should we embrace the New Testament gospel? As a refresher, what do we mean by the term gospel? Well, gospel means good news, very simply. In this case, the good news of Jesus Christ. That if anyone 
confesses with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believes in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, they will be saved. That's the good news. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 3 says that this salvation was first spoken to us by the Lord himself. Meaning that when Jesus was on the earth, he taught us with his own words how to be saved. For instance, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. But not only was salvation spoken to us by the Lord, verse 3 says this same message of salvation was confirmed by those who heard him. Well, who's that talking about? Well, it's referring to Jesus' apostles, the men who were eyewitnesses of his earthly ministry, the men who learned at his feet, the men whom Jesus sent out to lay the foundation of the church. These men who knew Jesus better than anyone, who sat at his feet, who were eyewitnesses of his ministry, they taught and affirmed that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And we see this in their writings all throughout the New Testament. Not once do any of the apostles ever say in their writings, well, there was this one time Jesus said there might be another way to the Father. No. The teaching and writing of the apostles confirm Jesus is the only way of salvation. Based on all of these things, the author of Hebrews then poses a very haunting question to us in verse 3. A question that I pose to each of us today. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What Jesus did for us on the cross defies all logic. It defies all reason. Why would the Son of God leave the splendor of heaven and lower himself to come to this fallen world Become one of us, give his life in our place, take our sin upon himself, and face a horrible execution like a common criminal. Why would he do that? John 3.16 tells us, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Jesus gave his life on the cross Because he loves us. Do you not see what a great salvation that is? There are no words that can do it justice. That kind of love, that kind of grace, that kind of mercy is beyond description. It's beyond human comprehension. What hope is there for any of us if we neglect that? How can anyone look at the cross and look at everything that Jesus went through for us And say, that's nice, but I'll pass. I'll take my chances another way. Oh my goodness, listen. If you're here today and you've not given your life to Christ, please don't presume upon God's grace. He loves you. He's made a way for you to come to him. But he's also holy. And he's also just. And he will not receive you to himself. If your sins are not covered in the righteous blood of Jesus Christ. Please, I implore you. Put your faith in Jesus. Before it's too late. 
Don't neglect his salvation. Now, if what you have heard to this point is not enough to convince you of God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, the writer of Hebrews does provide one more piece of evidence in verse 4. He said, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So not only has God communicated his plan of salvation through Jesus, not only has he communicated his plan of salvation through the apostles, but verse 4 says that he also, he personally bore witness to their testimony. Or we might say he backed up their testimony. And there's three things listed there. Two, three, three things listed there. The way that God did that. Number one, signs and wonders. Number two, various miracles, it says. And number three, gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's just spend a moment and talk about those things. Here's what that means. Oftentimes in Scripture, God proved that someone was truly a representative of his and truly speaking his word by causing supernatural events to accompany their ministry. Sometimes it was signs and wonders. For instance, Jesus at his baptism. What did the people hear who witnessed that baptism? The audible voice of the Father saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. That's a sign. That's a wonder. When the apostles went out and they cast demons out of people, that was a sign to all that God was with them, that they were truly God's representatives. Sometimes God did this by miracles. Now, of course, the greatest miracle of miracles is what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no greater miracle than that. But God also did miracles through his apostles. By the power of God, Peter raised a woman from the dead. By the power of God, handkerchiefs that had touched the apostle Paul would be taken to the sick and they would be healed just by touching them. Through such miracles people would come to believe in God. Sometimes it was certain spiritual gifts. For example, in the book of Acts, there were instances where people spoke in tongues and languages that were not their own. Why did God give people that particular spiritual gift? Well, they didn't have the New Testament at that time as we do. And spiritual gifts such as the gift of tongues bore witness to the fact that the word being preached was of God. That he was in that. Verse 4 says of all these things. Signs, wonders and miracles. Spiritual gifts. All of these things it says were done according to God's will. He allowed them to happen. Indeed he ordained them to happen. In such a way that those looking on would say. Wow. Now I believe God is real. Now I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And I just think that these things highlight the grace and the kindness of God. God could have said, look, it's enough that my son, it's enough that his apostles have told you the way of salvation. You can take it or leave it. But he didn't do that. No, God said, here's some signs and wonders. Here's some miracles. Here's some spiritual gifts to prove it. And so isn't God good in that way? Isn't he merciful? Now, here's something important for us to recognize when we talk about signs and wonders and the like. First of all, God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. 
to reveal himself to whomever he wants. We never want to put God in a box and say, well, he must reveal himself this way or he cannot do it this way. That's not for us to do. However, we must also acknowledge that as modern believers, we have one huge advantage over the Christians living in Bible times and that we have the completed New Testament. We have the Gospels and the book of Acts. We have the epistles and the book of Revelation. And so the need for signs and wonders to bear witness to the message is not as great because we have the ultimate witness to Jesus right here. Not the maps, but the text, right? The Holy Scriptures. And so while we may not see as many signs and wonders firsthand as these early Christians did, we read about them and the inspired and errant word of God anytime that we want. We're so blessed in that way to live on this side of history, to have the testimony of God's word. At the end of the day, church, it all comes down to faith. Do we believe the teaching of Jesus, that he is the only way to the Father? Do we believe the words that were spoken through his apostles, corroborating what Jesus said? Do we believe the signs and wonders and miracles and spiritual gifts ordained by God to bear witness to the truth of the gospel? If you don't believe all of those things, I'm afraid there's not much else that I can do to persuade you. Only the Holy Spirit can open your eyes to the truth of the gospel. And I pray that he does that before it's too late. But if you do believe these things, if in your heart of hearts you know that Jesus is real and the gospel is true and the Holy Spirit is convicting you this morning of your need for a Savior, I would appeal to you. I would plead with you. Please don't neglect so great a salvation. How can you possibly escape God's wrath if you turn your back on his son? Please don't turn away. Please don't put it off for another day because none of us know how much time we have left. If you need to commit your life to Jesus, do it today. The Bible says today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Behold, now is the appointed time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. If you're here today and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, don't put it off another day. As soon as we dismiss, you walk right to me at the front of this room and you say, Josh, I want to be a Christian. I'm ready to follow Jesus. And I would love nothing more than to pray with you and to lead you to him. I'm going to ask the praise team, if they would, to come up at this time, the musicians. And we're going to have a a closing song here in just a moment. If you're here today and you're ready to become a Christian, if you're here, you're ready to be baptized, to join the church, to unite with this body of believers and membership, any of those things, as you know, we're not having a come forward response right now. But again, I just want to reiterate I'll be here. Pastor Bill will be here after the service. You don't leave today without doing business with God. Okay? Let's stand and let's sing together our closing song.
for uh, being here today. Uh, a couple of things before you leave. First of all, let me just remind you again about Wednesday nights. We're still going to be, you know, observing social distancing and all those things that we need to to stay healthy. But we're going to be back in the building on Wednesday nights. And so we hope that you'll come and um, join us for that. The second thing I lost, it's gone. I don't remember what it was. Uh, the third thing, we need to pray for our country. Amen. Yes. I just want to remind you of that. Let's be faithful to do that this week. Let's pray for our nation and pray for our leaders. All right. Love you guys. We're going to dismiss with our closing song. We're going to do the doxology together, and then you're dismissed. Thank Amen. You. We're going to do it a little bit faster today. Are you ready? All right. Here we go. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, you well.